Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Wow, these are interesting times. I hope that you all are healthy and taking care of yourselves during this COVID-19 pandemic. A great way to pass the time, listen to an awesome podcast like Relatable. (laughs) Before I jump into my next interview, I want to let you know that I'm holding a communication and conversation workshop for 7th, 8th, and 9th graders on April 13. If you're interested in sending your teen, all of the details can be found on the TFA website, www.TeresaFreemanAssociates.com. In this next episode, I have the unique opportunity to sit and talk with Megan Johnson, a senior at Flint Hill High School. Megan is bold and fearless as she provides a mature and pragmatic view into the interactions between young men and women in high school. She's creating an opportunity for students and administrators to discuss what respectful treatment of young women looks like. It's important to note that this conversation is not about criticizing and shaming young men. Rather, it's an opportunity to educate and start a dialogue that will help our next generation be better and more respectful to each other. As a result of taking on this challenge, her character and reputation are being tested. And I'm so inspired by Megan and her interest that despite those challenges, she wants to create a positive impact. In addition to this topic, she talks candidly about succeeding academically despite learning differences and how building strong relationships with teachers has been invaluable. I hope that every teacher, parent, teen, supervisor, CEO, etc. listens to this episode. I will be listening to it with my teenage boys as I think it's a great opportunity to have a healthy and open dialogue about the power of standing up for something you believe in and also learning a little something about how we can treat each other with a little bit more respect. Enjoy this episode. Megan, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so appreciative of your time. And you and I know each other through your mom, who I interviewed previously on this podcast. So now I'm getting like (laughs) multi-generational participation, which I love. And um, there's so much that I want to talk to you about. And I love it when I get the opportunity to talk with young adults, because one, I'm super passionate about young adult development, but also... I think that's what makes this podcast unique is that I have um, voices, what I, you know, sort of young and old, and I really like it when I get to speak to people that are your age because I think you have different perspective and, you know, you also are in this position of everything's in front of you. And so I just love to hear thoughts, ideas, and also what you're experiencing because I think other people, hopefully, that listen to this um, are also in a similar spot. And so they might learn from you or they might actually find some inspiration or be alleviated in some of the pressures that they're facing. So I really appreciate you doing this and I know it's brave to kind of put yourself out there. So thank you so much. Of course. (laughs) Um, So first maybe we'll just start with tell me a little bit about like your current state right now. Mm -hmm. So you're you're a senior in high school. Tell me a bit Mm -hmm. about your station uh, as it (laughs) relates to that right now. So yeah, I am a senior in high school. 
I'm a second semester senior at high school, yeah. so my uh, I'm kind of focused on the future and where I'm going to college. I don't know that yet, but we'll probably figure that out in the next <laughs> couple months. But yeah, you know, for my junior and first semester senior year, academics was the top priority, very stressful. But I would say now I'm kind of more focused on I don't know, my legacy at my school and, you know, what I can do to leave it better than it was before. So I would say that's kind of what I'm focused on right now. That is really (laughs) inspiring, actually, that you're already thinking about that in terms of, you know, how do you want to be remembered or how do you want your imprint to be? So that's Mm -hmm. really cool. And we're going to talk more about that. I think you've got a couple of things specific going on that will for sure do that. Um, in terms of your junior and senior year, just academically, uh, have you found that the pressure, where does the pressure come from, do you um, think? I think the pressure come. well, at least for me, yeah. it's just on myself. I would say that in high school, I've always wanted to do the best I can so that when I get older, you know, I'm used to working hard and um, achieving certain things mm-hmm. and And I also think just wanting to go to a good college is also an obvious pressure. Um, Like in your school environment? In my school advisory. Not competitive at my school, but everyone is at my school because I go to a private school, college prep school. It's expected to go to college Mm -hmm. and it's expected to go to a good college. So that's a pressure because everyone knows that they're that's what's happening at the end of this and you know there's not that much wiggle room I thankfully I have understanding parents and if I told them that I didn't want to go to college you know that would be a conversation but you know socially where we live and the school that I go to college is the next step right it's the obvious yeah next step for you, have academics come pretty easily to you? Is it something that you've had to work hard at? I've had to work extremely hard. I was not naturally a good student, I would say. Um, but thankfully, there's something at my school with the Learning Center, which mm-hmm. kids with learning differences um, get to go to. And so that has ex- like changed the me as a student tremendously because... I came into my school, my sixth grade year, could could barely focus, had no organization, but um, through that training and help, I've become such a better student, and even in high school, I remember my first ever high school test, I actually failed it because I didn't know how to study, I didn't yeah. know how to organize my brain in a way that would prepare me for a test but then I would have conversations with my teachers and stuff and I had to work through that but um, something that I am very proud of is how much that school hasn't come easy to me but because I've worked so hard on it that it looks like it is easy for me now. That's amazing and in terms of um, I think you touched on something that is super important which is you know knowing or when you experience something that's challenging or a deficit, that you work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to a couple of people on here who have, you know, early on had learning differences or issues, and they were so, you know, impacted by them that they were embarrassed or shamed, mm-hmm. ashamed of them, that they then stopped trying. 
Yeah. So I think that, um, and one of the teachers that I talked on here, that was one of my favorite teachers, he's a fourth grade teacher. When we were talking, he shared that he had, um, was in like a reading assist program all the way through eighth grade. And here's this guy that like all these kids love and he's this phenomenal teacher. And so I think the more people are open that they have learning differences or that to me, you can't like put a dollar amount on like struggle that builds character. And mm -hmm. so when you experience something like that and you persevere through it and mm -hmm. now you've seen some success, mm -hmm. like you're just more confident and you're, you know, you feel like, okay, I had a challenge and I faced it and now look at, you know, what's happening. So I feel like, um, that's a really good story. And tell me just a little bit, I mean, because as you were talking about organizational skills, I can think of a few kids, my own included. Uh, what are the, some of the things that work for you that, that you learned as part of this process to help you be more organized and to help you be a little bit more focused? So one thing that I learned was that I'm a very visual learner. Okay. Um, if I see it, it's so much better than if I hear it. Or um, So one thing for me was just kind of figuring out how to get information into a visual way or some way of so for me timelines are like the best thing ever mm. so I always just break everything into timelines into graphs and things like that so I think finding what way you learn best and then also telling your teachers I have conversations with my teachers of how I learn and how I should study so that they're aware so that they can so that one that builds a good relationship with them mm -hmm. um but also they know how to support me um okay so you I, you're touching on all these things <laughs> that I love because of where my passions lie but one of the things that I'm hugely passionate about is communication mm -hmm. and people your age being able to communicate their needs and also communicate with teachers and building relationships. The power of relationship, regardless of your stage in life, is so important. And the fact that you're figuring that out now, and the teachers are really there for you as a resource, and so many young adults and teens are afraid to have those conversations. One, they're afraid to ask for what they need, or they're afraid to be seen as someone that needs something because you know, everyone else has got it, so I don't want to look like the, mm -hmm. you know, expose myself as someone who needs more help. So the fact that, one, you're able to communicate that, but that you're finding that the teachers are actually there and they're mm -hmm. helping you, I mean, that's why they're mostly in the profession, right? They really want to help people. So um, building those relationships is so critical. And so tell me how, um, how that's been for you in terms of the teacher response to that. Um, I've had amazing teachers yeah. at my school, and they're the, I would say they're the reason why I love going to school, because obviously I have friends, but I don't know, there's nothing better than having a good relationship with the teacher and talking to them and having them as your ally and having them believe in you and when you go, because, you know, high school's filled with success and failure, right. but, um, you know, having teachers understand that and still support you and lift you up um when you ha get a bad grade on a test and things right. like that and believing in you I would say because um I also feel like I've earned their respect which is also kind of interesting there's teachers that will kind of say oh Megan you you're you're so smart you're so kind and all this stuff and just having that I don't know 
I wouldn't say legacy, but having that status of being a good student and a good person to the teachers, I think gives me a little bit more confidence in who I am. Um, well, and it sounds like you've been intentional about that too. Yeah. So, so it's really nice if you're trying to be, you're hardworking and you're trying to be a good student and you're mm-hmm. trying to be a good person and that's getting reflected back to you. That yeah. feels really good because yeah. you're like, here's what I'm putting into the world and, and you've got yeah. some someone there saying, someone that you respect saying yeah. that, that it's working. Let's touch a minute too on um, athletics because you are a college, or college, maybe, uh, <laughs> no, but a high school athlete. So tell me a little bit about that process because I've talked to a few teens on this podcast about athletics and the role that athletics has played, both you know trying out and that process of trying to be a part of it, and then how has that system been supportive or, or what challenges have you mm-hmm. had? either just because it's a lot of pressure to be delivering on academics and then to be playing a sport and then socially obviously like all those things at one time so just if you can tell me a little bit now that you're a senior what has that process been like have you played all four years yeah so I've played soccer all four years because soccer is my sport I've been playing since I was three four I don't know I don't know for forever um but lacrosse I've only played for three years and I picked up a lacrosse stick the first day of tryouts my sophomore year I did not think I was gonna make varsity my first year trying but somehow the coach was like you're very athletic and I think that you should be on this team to get better so that your senior year you know you're a good lacrosse player so Um, luckily I go to a small school, so that kind of culture is a part of it where, you know, you can go from never playing a sport to just being on varsity just because they want you to be, become better and get better and develop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. Um, but it was really challenging because there was girls on the lacrosse team that, you know, have, have played their whole life and have been so good and getting into that and you know in drills I would drop the ball and you know of course they were always so nice and was like keep going Megan you're okay but you can't help but feel a little bad because you feel like you're letting down your team but one thing that I really learned is just you can always do whatever you want if you keep your mind on it and just I would go to practice and just have a good attitude and um I think not trying to be perfect is a really big thing that I learned because when I'm trying a new sport for the first time, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not even, it's not going to be pretty, um, but you just kind of have to keep working. And I would say that this year I'm not an outstanding lacrosse player, but I'm, I'm pretty decent and yeah. I can, and I feel like I help the team a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then what about the soccer? Was that more just innate? Like, yeah, in, soccer in... for me was like family because yeah. I've been playing my whole life. I love it. It's, you know, it, and the coach, the coaches, all my friends are just so amazing. So it was so fun to be on that team. And I didn't really feel pressure because my sister was on that team when I mm. first got into it. So I had family on the team. So for me, soccer was family and it was kind of easy. And as, would you say, um, if you had to say, I mean, you just touched on it a little bit, but what what has being part of that program or athletics generally brought to your experience? And if someone's thinking about it, that's listening to this, that's going into high school, 
and they're questioning whether they should pursue it or not? I would say always try athletics because, I mean, I'm all for team sports because I've only ever really played team sports Mm -hmm. because having a team is like having a second family in high school is so stressful and there's drama and all that different stuff at high school, but at the end of the day, at 3.45, I go outside and I work on something that has nothing to do with school or anything. I can just focus on my friends and getting better at something that, again, has nothing to do with academics. So it's honestly kind of therapeutic. Also, mm. you know, it's good for your body right. to stay right. active. Right. But um, also just being a part of a team and having girls and people there for you um, yeah all reaching for the same goal yeah. is super, powerful. super powerful. We've, we've talked to a lot of different people throughout the last year or so, and athletics comes up, and a lot of people have talked about athletics and their high school experience as being a real important component to building confidence and also socially to have that network. So I think um, if you are out there and you're considering it, like take the chance, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times people don't because they don't want to be rejected and they'll fear a failure, right? That's a big motivator for people. So sometimes just putting yourself out there, you don't, you don't know what can happen. And Mm -hmm. the fact that with lacrosse, right, that was huge. I didn't think I was, I thought I was going to be on JV and I was going to be happy with it. You know, my other friends who would be on JV as well. Um, but I got that surprise, but even if I didn't make JV, it still would have been an amazing experience to be a part of that team and learning a new sport. That's awesome. All right, so let's back up just a little bit and talk about um, June, like your middle school experience mm-hmm. and maybe early high school. Just um, I've had a couple of conversations on here about that transition from middle school to high school, or um, and interestingly, thematically, people recall that middle school as being kind of a tough time. So yeah. I'm curious for you, um, you know, what that experience was like, and is there anything during that time that shaped how you went into high school or or what some of your own challenges were as you were going into that next space? Um, for me, middle school wasn't, it was tough in different ways, but okay. I would say it was easier because I didn't have as much stress on anything. I didn't really care about anything. The only stress I had was if I was popular and, you know, I think it was, middle school is more social stress Mm. because you're just so worried about what everyone thinks and friends and all that but in high school that kind of changed for me so I would say middle school is really tough for me because I didn't think I had an identity I didn't know who I was I didn't know who I wanted to be and going into high school I saw my sister who was in high school and she kind of had to just started to discover who she was and me being in middle school had no idea. I just kind of looked at myself as this average middle schooler, and I didn't want to be average, but I didn't know. I guess in middle school, there wasn't as much opportunity to be different mm. because everyone's on the same. It's not like high school where you can. There's lots of different ways. There's a to, lot of different ways yeah. to get involved, but in middle school, it's really just school, and you can, you know, play middle school sports and stuff like that, but everyone's playing middle school sports, so it's not extraordinary it's just kind of like something everything does so I guess for me it was hard to figure out what I wanted to be and who I was how many years between you and your sister two and are you guys pretty close yeah and has she been a good 
um, it's nice to have someone go through things before you. Yeah, <laughs> you learn a lot from them. My oldest gives me grief all the time that I don't know the pain that he's in of having to be the one to, you know, be, bear the brunt of both yeah. my own failures as a parent. <laughs> and then also just he's got to go through everything first. And so yeah. there is some benefit to, you know, so the fact that you have that and that you're close is, and I'm sure you were in the same school and you got to play sport yep. together, like, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And, seems special. Um, okay, so that's interesting. And I think the thing that I find interesting about what you just said about there's there wasn't really a way for you to be extraordinary. And maybe you wouldn't have used those words at that time, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious that already it seems like in that space you're trying to find like what's going to be special about Megan. And that the fact yeah. that we started this conversation and you were like, what's my legacy going to be? It's, it's really cool that even then you're probably already starting to think like, I want to make an impact and I want to be different. And how can I Mm -hmm. do that? I think that's really cool. And I think people need to listen to that instinct and follow it instead of like suppress it or feel Mm -hmm. like, uh, because I think we're going to talk about here in a minute, like there's not always a lot of support uh, for people that feel that way to be that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's everybody is like, let's homogenize and let's all be the same and let's all do this the same way. And just, be like the salmon, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that you want to stand out and you kind of are like already thinking like, I don't feel that way here, but I think that's in my future is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we get to high school and now, um, you know, I wanted to ask you about challenges and um, we've talked a little bit about academic pressure, uh, but I know that right now you're kind of in the midst and involved with something that's pretty, um, pretty huge. And I think, um, it's, it's something that is pervasive all across the world, probably, and not just specific to your school. Um, and I suspect it's maybe one of the challenges, the biggest challenges you yeah. face, but maybe there are others, so I don't want <laughs> to assume that. But tell me a little bit about um, your role now in the senior class, and what are some of the things that, that are coming up in your role? Yeah, so I'm senior class president, and... Um, also just a girl at my school so I think can I ask you one question about that have you been in um the student government all throughout high school yeah my freshman year I uh, ran for freshman rep yeah freshman class rep okay and then I've ran every single year and then and I think you were saying this before we started recording, but that, I guess, also in middle school is when politically things were happening and you were struck by that and yeah, so Hillary was running. And yeah, that freshman an year. Yeah, that had a really big impact on me um, because I think after the election, that was the first time I ever really kind of didn't really care so much about what was happening on my at my life, but really society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I went to the Women's March, and I was starting to get empowered by um, just societal problems and other women that are doing amazing things. So that's kind of where that started. Got it. Very cool. Okay, so now you're the senior class president. Mm-hmm. And tell me about um, something that you're pretty passionate about in the country <laughs> right now. Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Wow, these are interesting times. I hope that you all are healthy and taking care of yourselves. 
during this COVID-19 pandemic. A great way to pass the time, listen to an awesome podcast like Relatable. (laughs) Before I jump into my next interview, I want to let you know that I'm holding a communication and conversation workshop for 7th, 8th, and 9th graders on April 13. If you're interested in sending your teen, all of the details can be found on the TFA website, www.TeresaFreemanAssociates.com. In this next episode, I have the unique opportunity to sit and talk with Megan Johnson, a senior at Flint Hill High School. Megan is bold and fearless as she provides a mature and pragmatic view into the interactions between young men and women in high school. She's creating an opportunity for students and administrators to discuss what respectful treatment of young women looks like. It's important to note that this conversation is not about criticizing and shaming young men. Rather, it's an opportunity to educate and start a dialogue that will help our next generation be better and more respectful to each other. As a result of taking on this challenge, her character and reputation are being tested. And I'm so inspired by Megan and her interest that despite those challenges, she wants to create a positive impact. In addition to this topic, she talks candidly about succeeding academically despite learning differences and how building strong relationships with teachers has been invaluable. I hope that every teacher, parent, teen, supervisor, CEO, etc. listens to this episode. I will be listening to it with my teenage boys as I think it's a great opportunity to have a healthy and open dialogue about the power of standing up for something you believe in and also learning a little something about how we can treat each other with a little bit more respect. Enjoy this episode. So I would say a couple months ago, well, I guess we can bring this back to, you know, all of high school, but, um, you know, I think I started to notice this negative culture um, of men kind of, I would say, misogyny at my school, and I think this is a very universal problem. Um, people that don't understand what that word means, what is Yeah, so it's basically a mistreatment of women, of just kind of talking about and to women in a negative way and making them feel less than, right. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really put a label on it until this year, I would say, when you know I was going to one of my favorite teachers and just kind of talking about all these different instances where boys said awful things to me or about me. And, you know, at the time, I didn't even think it was that big of a problem. I just kind of was like, oh, well, boys will be boys. You know, this is right. just what we have to deal with. And I would talk to my teacher about it and saying it sucks that boys are like this, but or some boys are like this sometimes, but you know, I just have to deal with it. I have to be strong and just deal with it. But I guess I didn't really realize how much of an impact um, it was having on me and a lot of my friends. So we started to, you know, one day my teacher said, you know, this isn't right. You know, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to go to school and feel unsafe and feel um, undervalued for your gender. And so she said that we should share our stories to the teachers to get the faculty aware of what's going on and that's what really started this whole movement um so we wrote our stories of times that boys have talked about our bodies in disgusting ways or times where they said just awful things i can get into that later i guess but um and we wrote them down and at a faculty meeting they all read them aloud and 
you know, obviously I wasn't in the room, but from what I heard, it was a very emotional meeting because a lot of teachers had no idea that that culture um, was being spread at my school. How many people wrote their story? Um, I don't really know because it was anonymous. It was a Google form, so mm. everyone could just, I don't know how many, um, but I know that there were a lot. And was that something that you initiated? How did that request go out? Did that come out from the teacher or the faculty? or did It that... wasn't a request to the whole school. It was girls who had come to these teachers for help. Okay. And so we kind of created a meeting of a lot of girls and some boys about this topic and how you're going to combat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at one of those meetings, which I would say is about 20, 24 people, um, we had some girls share their stories. And would you say at this point, as you're starting to think about, and you're actually even yourself coming to a realization that this is going on and it's impacting you, mm-hmm. are you thinking about if I move forward with this, if I move forward even with an anonymous letter, how is that going to impact me socially? Like, is that entering your mind at this point? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing that really entered into my mind when I started sharing my stories was, what if they think I'm over-exaggerating? What if they think Mm -hmm. that I'm taking it in a way that it should, I'm taking it too far, or like I'm misinterpreting what they're what boys are saying because Mm -hmm. you know I think some feedback that I've gotten from boys at my school is you know I like you know we're not trying to be awful you know we're not trying you know I know boys aren't bad you know (laughs) there's um, but I just think it's education and that a lot of guys don't understand that these words do impact so even though um, even though they aren't actively trying to tear me down, right. their words still have meaning and power, and I wanted to use this as an opportunity for them to learn because, you know, another thing of why I'm so passionate about this is because, like, I know a lot of my guy friends are great people, but they've just said things that aren't so great and they're going to be going to college next year and they're going to go on with their lives and I want for the guys at my school to be good people and to stand up for those kinds of things in the future right right if you would do you mind sharing just a couple of things like you know whatever you're comfortable with Mm -hmm. about some of your story just because I think giving some actual examples of this that help people to understand what we mean. Because yeah. right now we're sort of talking in the theoretical. Mm-hmm. So if, are you comfortable maybe sharing just obviously not everything or whatever yeah. you are comfortable with? Yeah, so one example is I was in math class and I was writing, my teacher asked me to write something on the board. So I stood up and wrote something on the board and you know my school has a dress code so I was wearing just dress code pants with the dress code top, something very normal, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. And a group of boys in the back, um, all I could hear was them talking about my body saying, they tap that, oh, I didn't know she was built like that. I didn't know she had that, whoa, like talking about my body in front of class. And I remember I sat back down and I had tears in my eyes and I had excused myself because it was demoralized it made me feel like 
I don't know how to describe it. And I think that's really, I think it's hard for some boys to understand how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just makes you feel like you're less than what you are. And that they don't see you for who you are, but they see you for what you look like. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it just, it was not, that, that's one example. Um, another really great example is just one time I got uh, something wrong in class. I asked a question and it was wrong, which, you know, that's learning. You know, I feel like everyone does that. It's okay. Um, and someone's like, oh, yeah, Megan, you just need to go in the kitchen. You know, you're not, you're not made for this. You know, you just need to go in the kitchen. And I know that's a joke and that's right. supposed to be a joke. And I understand that. It's not like I took it and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's terrible. I can't believe you said that. I'm going to go cry. It wasn't like that. But it just it makes you think it's like why should I be in the kitchen you know right and it's, why are we still talking about talking about women like that I thought that was years ago right. but no it still goes on another example is just um I've been called crazy names just for being a strong confident woman I feel like um sometimes shoot I don't know how to say this um but for a while, I was I was getting really passionate about um, feminism and just empowering women. And in um, I went to the Women's March and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I am also a very understanding person, a very kind person. So I was never that type of person who would go up to a boy and be like, you're a terrible person. Like, I hate you. Like, you know, you're not a feminist. Like, you're not a feminist. So, but somehow this image of me was being created by a lot of boys where they would call me this crazy feminist, this crazy girl. Um, You know, when I was in, like, in my previous relationship, when I was in a relationship, they would go to him and they would say, how do you put up with her? She's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you put up with that cra- like crazy feminist and all that stuff? Um, and I think that's what really got... That kind of culture is what really got to me mm-hmm. because it made me question who I am. And, you know, it started to make me feel un- a little unsafe because guys would DM me who, like, didn't go to my school... And say, oh, you're that crazy feminist from Flint Hill. And I thought it was my fault. I thought I was doing something wrong. I thought that, you know, maybe I was being too radical. But I really wasn't. I was just, you know, standing, you know, just having, having my own beliefs but not pushing them on anyone. So I started to think that I was doing something wrong and that I was you know, too progressive and all this stuff, but I really wasn't being progressive at all. I was just having these beliefs to myself and I wouldn't talk about them to anyone because I just didn't really like doing that except for if I felt like if someone said something that was wrong or kind of disrespectful, then I would like politely say, hey, that's not right. But somehow this image of me was built by a lot of guys because I don't know why, but I I assume that's just, you know, they don't, I don't know how to yeah. describe that. Well, but. I think it's, um, you know, it's so interesting. I think when you stand up for something that is counter to mm-hmm. the majority, people respond in a lot of ways, and a lot of that response is based in fear. 
And it's also based in, you know, people being very defensive. So you and I were chatting right before we mm-hmm. started this, and I was telling you about my son, who we had a, a almost a debate about mm-hmm. um, this issue, not specifically you, more this issue. And I was so interested that he was so triggered by the fact that we were going to sit down and talk about this. And his immediate, once we kind of got through the the anger, <laughs> we figured out that it was really, he he is a good guy, yeah. considers himself to be a good guy. I assume he is. Comes from good parents. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he is a good guy, and he does respect women. And I think he, um, you know, wouldn't want to be characterized or categorized at the same time you know, and I'll say this on here, I don't know if he's standing up when he hears things mm-hmm. that he knows aren't quite right, even in joking. And I think this idea of, um, and, and in fact, not just at your age, it's happening in, in the professional environment too, this idea, and it's very tricky, this idea of being able to joke and have fun with each other and then where is that line mm-hmm. between that and then being offensive? And and to your point about being in front of your classroom and not being able to articulate what that feels like, but you know it's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. There's just something about that that does not seem right to you. Yeah. And, and so it's important that if you feel that way, that you then have a voice to discuss that and that it's not blaming anyone and you're not categorically saying, I didn't say that word very well, but you're not <laughs> saying every every guy is yeah. a jerk and doesn't respect women. P- part of this, I think what you're doing, and it's so impressive, is let's just have some conversations and let's just start to build more awareness. And let's, you know, I think what's also amazing is that you're having an impact on these young men that hopefully as they evolve beyond college and in life, they'll have a perspective that they wouldn't have had you not done this. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're taking the brunt of, I think, people's reaction is hard. It's it's a hard position to be in because you, to just to kind of go back to being extraordinary, I think you are extraordinary and I think what you're doing is extraordinary and I don't think that comes without some yeah. perseverance or having to be someone that has to take some of the hits. Mm-hmm in order to propel the mission forward. So, um, you know, one, I'll just say that I think it's so important what you're doing and it's so inspiring that you're um, able to kind of be firm and that you want to make a change, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me about what's been the reaction then. So, and I know this has been iterative. So the first step was having some of these um, stories communicated to the faculty. And by the way, I should say also thank you for sharing your your story because that's not easy. Um, and then tell me about what happened next. So that kind of stirred the pot and, you know, it kind of, I remember that week it was, all the boys were like, what's going on? Like everyone was freaking out. Um, teachers were like, I can't believe this is going on. It was just, it was a massive week. (laughs) Everyone was just kind of emotional and all this stuff. But after that, it kind of died down and that was my worst fear. I didn't (laughs) want to... Yeah, so we had, um, I'm a forum leader as well, so we have um, basically seniors who are forum leaders and they have forums with all the different grades to talk about certain issues. And we were supposed to have a forum with the sophomores. And we had this long conversation where we were like, 
we don't want to have that form with senior, um, sophomores. We want them to have the forms with seniors and talk about misogyny because I think that's what we need. You know, we have to keep this conversation going. So we had that forum. And at the end of the day, we had an all-school forum that everyone could come to. Um, so that kind of kept the conversation going. But I think two days later, there was something called a senior junior boys basketball game where basically boys in the junior and senior class who've never played basketball or don't play basketball get to play basketball and it's a required event where all the girls get to like, have to like cheer them on and you know um and you know I'm not against that you know I think that's super fun and all that stuff but we just kind of us girls thought that it would be a really great opportunity to kind of make a statement mm -hmm. um for us to be taken seriously and for action to actually happen because you know up until then it was just like this is a really bad issue i'm sorry that you girls have to deal with this but it was just a lot of apologies and we're like we don't really need your apology we just want to ensure that this isn't going to continue when we leave so we had a walkout of the junior and senior basketball game and we sat in the commons um and you know girls were speaking and I gave a speech and all my friends gave speeches and just kind of sharing their stories and all the administration and all of the teachers were outside they weren't watching the boys um and you know I do have sympathy for a lot of those boys that aren't the problem but I also want to say that you know this didn't just happen overnight and I don't think that all boys are bad but it kind of was a certain group of at least at my school is a certain group of guys who I won't say they're awful people, but just right. were saying awful things, and it became the cool thing to do, to talk about women in a disrespectful way, to sec over-sexualize mm -hmm. women, to, um, you know, that just kind of became the cool thing to do. And so you, so you start to see, like, other guys that are good people and that I've known for ever since I was in sixth grade kind of start acting in that way. Um, so that's kind of why we did it. And then after that, we just kind of kept the conversation going. And I've had a lot of conversations with my principal. I had two this week that have been amazing. And, you know, they hire, they've hired a professional um, who's going to come in two weeks, mm -hmm. I think, to talk to our whole school. And they're going to have um, talks with the girls and the boys and the whole school um, and the faculty. So I think there's really great steps being taken. But yeah, that's kind of what the... And so what has been, for you, the reaction, because now you're presumably, you know, six weeks, eight weeks into this, you know, whatever the duration, but, you know, from the first minute of, like, kind of going forward with the anonymous story and to this point, what has been the reaction to you personally? And have you felt, given everything you just shared about this reputation that you're this crazy feminist person and that, you know, how do you handle her and all of that. What's been the reaction to you and, and what has been socially, if any, the impact? So the reaction from, well, the react, I would like to start with the reaction of the girls, which yeah has been ama just amazing. Everyone, yeah. I think what I'm most proud of this whole movement is it gave women 
a chance to share their stories and like say things that have been inside like they've kept inside because I've kept them inside and be able to share them and to have girls who've gone through similar things and just kind of in that room when we at the walkout we all were there supporting each other because we've all experienced everything that all these girls were experiencing Mm -hmm. There's um, a commonality. Yeah, a, and I think yeah, that's what was what I found was that's so important, you know, women, mm-hmm. empowering women, that's how you make change, you know. So that was, I, that was one of the reactions. I mean, obviously there were some women who were against the movement and because they have friends with guys and stuff and maybe they don't completely understand what we're trying to do, but for the most part, all women were supporting women. Um the reaction from the boys, it was mixed. There were some that were like, this is a really big issue. And yes, like I've seen this, we need to fix this. And there were some that they were like, you know, I'm like your son was saying, you know, I don't do that. So why am I being categorized in that way? And I had a friend who felt the exact same way as your son did that he was like, I'm a good guy. I, I'm not a misogynistic guy. You know, why is everyone attacking me? And I had this conversation with him and I said, everyone knows you're a good guy, you know, if you're a good guy, people see that, you know, not just because you're a guy doesn't make you a bad person, you know, we see if you're a good or, you know, you, you can tell just like you can see if anyone's Mm -hmm. a good or bad person, you know, but if you're not something that I told him that I think is really powerful is like, if you're not a part of the solution, you're Mm -hmm. part of the problem. And, you know, no one's putting the blame on anyone because this is a societal, this is much bigger than any of us. But I think to combat it, it's being an ally. And, you know, even if you're not saying those things or doing any of those things, you have probably seen something around. You, You have friends, you know, you'll have people that will say things and even in the locker room if they say just like oh like I didn't know she was built like that or something like that you know you have that power to say something and just like you were saying like the fine line of joking and I think any time that you know you're talking about a woman in a disrespectful way or a sexualized way is inappropriate just because it normalizes it Mm -hmm. and that's the I would say the cause of the problem that has been normal to talk about girls in this way. And in the locker room, it's normal to talk about girls in this way. But what happens is that translates to the girls. So although you might be like, oh, I'm not saying it to the girls, well, you're normalizing it in the locker room for it to then get back to the girls. So it's, it starts in the locker room. It starts in those, you know, when you're hanging out with just your guys. You know, we have to have boys that are allies and who are willing to be good people and stand up. Yeah, I think, too, it's it's interesting. It's like a reframing, right? So Mm -hmm. I said something to you before we started about the um, when you told a story about being at the blackboard or the whiteboard and um, this blackboard is from the 80s. But anyway, um, that that in their minds, I think. I wonder if they think that's a compliment, right? And mm-hmm. so so there's some education that we have to do around, let's just be real clear on what a compliment <laughs> feels like and what isn't a compliment, right? Yeah. Saying you want to tap that, not so much, right? Yeah. You know, telling me that, um, you know, that I'm, 
really inspiration or telling me that I'm someone who it's more about the core to your point around who you are. Yeah. Um, the whole objectifying, which is everything you're talking about when it's just solely based on what someone looks like and, and kind of picking women apart in that way. You're right. It is societal. It is cultural. It's been forever. And so part of this is just chipping away at that a bit to say, there's other ways to have these kind of conversations. There's other ways to seriously, comp- I know it sounds silly, but compliment one mm-hmm. another that isn't both ways, right? Where you're objectifying or it's purely based on physical attributes. Yeah. And um, I mean, if you look at, not to go down a whole rabbit hole, but you look at social media and everything that's out there now on all fronts, both women and men, it's it's it seems almost insurmountable because there's so much coming at you all the time that's objectifying all of us, right? In mm-hmm. terms of this is what's pretty and this is what you need to get this and this is what it means to be a man and this is what it, right? It's all like coming at you. It's hard to know like mm-hmm. what is the line? And so I think to your point around go with your gut, go with your feeling. If it feels wrong, then you got to do something about it. And to your point about being an ally. And I love what you said, too, about sitting down with this friend of yours, because I do think, and after my son and I have this conversation, it is a little bit of a light bulb to say you just, because of how you were born, mm-hmm. you, you re- just because how I was born, you can't fully understand or appreciate this, what's going on yeah. inside of me. So you have to recognize that. I think that's another thing we're asking for is like recognize that you cannot really stand in my shoes. So mm-hmm. then maybe just listen to what I have to tell you yeah. because I'm probably better at explaining that than you are yeah. <laughs> given you're not us, right? Yeah. When we talk about gender issues. So um, so now how are you feeling about all of this now? So it seems like I know you're sort of in the middle of it. So I'm curious, do you feel like you have momentum? Do you feel like you're seeing some change? Do yeah. you think this is going to take, you know, a bit longer? Are there other things on the horizon for you? Um, I have been seeing some change. I mean, obviously, I think this is going to take a really mm-hmm. long time. Um, but, you know, this past week, I, I mentioned it earlier, I've had two conversations with my principal director, what we call him the director, but the principal um, at my school, and they have been very enlightening and encouraging as well because, you know, having that conversation with him, I really understand where he's coming from and what he wants to do, but he also sympathized with us. And, you know, just having him just like talk to us and really understanding what's going on. And I really feel like he really understands what's going on and how it's wrong um, was so empowering. And just knowing that, you know, they're hiring someone and they're they're taking it really seriously. Right. We're seeing action. We're seeing action, and yeah. it's encouraging. And yeah, so we'll have to meet again. I already told her I think she needs to be a repeat guest, um, and and we'll um, figure out when that is. But I'd love to hear where this goes, and mm-hmm. also just um, you know, as you progress too, I think you're destined to do amazing things. Um, so let's talk a little bit just about support. So. Um, you know, in terms of what you've been going through, like what has been or who have been good support, you know, people for you in this process? Um, my teachers, my mom, my dad, <laughs> my friends. Yeah. Just everyone around me. And yeah. feeling like um, 
you're not completely isolated and alone. Yeah. I mean, every night I go home and I know that I can tell my mom anything and I, you know, talk to her about it. So just knowing that I have people who understand and are hearing me and rooting for me, um, kind of allows me to be able to be strong at school when, you know, guys say, you know, talk about me and the movement in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as long as I have the people that know me best that are supporting me, I don't really care. <laughs> right, you can be anchored in that, right? Yeah. So just a little bit of a, a sidestep, and I'm curious, you brought up your parents, and you know, one of the things that I like to do when I talk to um, people that are your age is hear about, you know, and this is more broadly, I think in your academic and social experiences, maybe even sports, but what are some of the things that your parents have done very well that you feel have really helped you. Um, and then I'm also going to ask you, I'm going to flip side that, <laughs> like, what are some things that they can do better? Because I think as parents listen to this, I, I know I always want to learn how, how can I be doing my job as a parent better and what are things that people at your age need that maybe I'm not, I always think I know and I don't know because I'm not your age anymore. So, you mm-hmm. know, on both sides of theirs, and I, it's hard because you, I don't want you to be critical necessarily, but I am curious if there are other things at certain points that you're like, you know, if I had had this or, and maybe the answer is, you know, they're, they've kind of done everything right. But I'm curious if you have a perspective on that. Um, so my parents are awesome because I think the best thing that they do is just creating a safe household and knowing that anything I tell them, I know they're not going to like judge me for it or get me in trouble. So I think understanding your kids, I know I, I know a lot of my friends' kids, you know, if they, their kids aren't perfect, they'll kind of get them in trouble and, you know, kind of try to punish them for them. But something that's in my household, it's like, you have to understand that we're all human and that no one's perfect, but you have to have trust and honesty. And I feel like I go to my parents because I have that trust and I have that relationship with them that they're going to support me no matter what. And of course, you know, they want me to be the best version of myself, but they're going to support me no matter what is what has kind of encouraged me to be the person I am and has allowed me to, you know, be responsible because I have... I want them to think highly of me, you know? Right. It's kind of, I have that relationship where I look up to my parents to the point where I want them to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. So I want to be the best version of myself. So, um, and what they can do better, I honestly, nothing really comes to my mind. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, yeah, nothing really comes to my mind, but maybe I just need more time to think, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, yeah, I know, it's a hard one. I, mean, I think when I, you know, when I asked, um, my son this he said you on occasion and this actually I think ties in a little bit to what you said I can jump to conclusions before I hear mm-hmm. the whole story God. so to your point around like people getting in trouble or you know if I'm sort of hot on a grade or something that I don't really give him a chance to fully explain what's mm-hmm. going on and maybe get having a little more patient on that front mm-hmm. um, but I think there's the fact that you have support and I think you mentioned something too about kind of freedom and this whole experience that you're going through like as your um, parent you know I it would be hard to see you go through something that's so challenging and Mm -hmm. where you're so exposed and so 
allowing you to put yourself out there in a way where you don't really know the outcome and you don't know how that's going to be received, I think is also a great show of support that allows you to be who you are. Mm -hmm. And even if you believe in the cause behind it, you're still, um, you know, someone's child that's like putting themselves out there in a way that's probably kind of scary. So it sounds like, you know, your parents are good at like being able to let you do that and and have some freedom to figure that stuff out. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. So, um, one of the things that I'd love to talk about, and this is somewhat self selfishly motivated. So I have this question and then one other one, but it's, um, as we've been sitting here and talking, I mean, you are extremely articulate and you have a great way of communicating your thoughts and ideas. Mm -hmm. And I told you earlier that I'm super passionate about this lane, particularly with young adults around their ability to not only communicate thoughts and ideas, but actually engage in conversation with teachers, with each other, uh, through that conversation and through building those skills, you can influence other people. So I'm curious um, if you could just give a, a little bit of a soundbite for you on how important, if you think about skills like communication or building relationships or collaboration and even presenting, what are some of the skills that you've learned and how important are those skills to you now and do you think will be going forward? Yeah, those skills are incredibly important and whatever I do, I know that I'm going to be using them a lot. Um, I And have they always come naturally because you're good yeah, at it? Yeah, so. I will say, you know, my communication skills have kind of always come naturally. I'm very much an open book. I was just, I'm always like that. I've always been just like this extroverted, talk a lot kind of person. So the talking part has not been hard <laughs> for me, but... I would say being concise and articulate is the part that I've had to work at. Um, so yeah, I think just practice, honestly, and just challenging yourself a lot. I've had conversations that, you know, really challenge yourself. Like I've done two TED Talks, which I did not really want to do. I wanted to do, but then I was like nervous because I didn't want to mess up and have to work and have to like, make a whole script and then give it it was very stressful um but challenging yourself and doing things that are completely out of your comfort zone I think is the best way to learn those communication skills because you have to communicate through them you know you have to talk to people about the challenges you're having and just opening up and always having someone to talk to yeah I think too the power of what you mentioned around this community of women now that you that you've rallied and now it's this opportunity for people to share commonality Mm -hmm. and ideas and part of what I fear for your generation because of technology is this disconnectedness and Mm -hmm. so in addition to you solving or trying to solve this problem you're actually creating this humanity and a connection among people that I think is so basic and needed Mm -hmm. so as others are out there in the world like figuring out ways to create because I think we have to be creative now with with technology how are we going to create opportunities for us to be connected as humans Mm -hmm. and you have to have soft skills to do that but you also get so much out of it it's so rewarding to your point around now you've you're probably you talked about your teachers validating the fact that you're a kind person and that you're a hard worker and now you've got all these women and girls that are saying this is such an opportunity for us to be together I mean that's got to be huge validation too yeah 
So it's it's just amazing all around. All right. So now that we're we're sort of wrapping up, and I, I usually close this with this question, which is, what advice you know? And you're all of you know what eighteen <laughs> years on the planet. But when you think about you know, we talked a little bit about that you know middle school self, or you know, what advice would you give to a, a younger Megan now that you're um, graduating from high school and you have this different perspective? Um, what advice would you give? I would just tell myself to be myself and to just not listen to what other people are saying um, and to stand by what you believe in and, you know, it's okay. And I think another really big thing that I would tell myself is people are going to have opinions on you and you can't control those opinions, but focus on what you think of yourself because that's what matters, you know. There's going to, people, some people will love you. Some people will be like, eh, she's kind of annoying. But (laughs) it doesn't really matter because you have that idea of yourself that, you know, I would just say believing in myself and loving who I am for who I am, not for what people think of me. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, this has been a real joy, and I feel so... um, I'm so appreciative of your time, and I feel like you are a special person that is going to do amazing things. And thank I, you. I really feel like it's been a privilege and a gift to sit down and talk to you. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening and thank you, Megan. I'm still thinking about our conversation, even though it's weeks later. As we sat together and talked, I was struck by your passion and vision, and I can't wait to see what you do next. I challenge everyone who listened to this episode to think about how they can make a positive difference in their school, in their community, their job, etc. A special thanks to Missy, my producer on this episode. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, Please subscribe and rate Relatable. We would love to hear your comments about this episode or any episode. We are on most streaming platforms, and you can also leave a comment on the Relatable page of the Teresa Freeman Associates website. You can follow us on Twitter, and we also have a TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.